We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince Diderio. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That guy is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And it's Friday. It's the best day of the week. Mm-hmm. And it's also draft weekend, which is pretty mm-hmm. fun and exciting. Too. This is why we had so, two shows today. This is our right. second show. Of the day. That's right. Brian's like, hey, did you know we had a show today? No, that was awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch it. I was actually it kind of proud of you that you didn't know because that means you weren't on Twitter today. It means you were actually teaching your yes, students. And, I was you know, actually doing and, all that and writing out a lineup card. And, yeah. you know, it was oh, that we, too. We appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it is the Friday free for all mailbag, which means you out there in Irish Breakdown land get to dictate what we talk about today. And I'm fired up. Uh, we got all kinds of different questions already in the queue. Not surprisingly, from John A1, he is our guy and just loads us up with the questions and which is good because it takes a while sometimes for people to kind of get rocking and rolling with the questions and it absolutely does this way john gets us (laughs) rocking and rolling and they're always great questions so let's just go ahead and dive right into it i'm very impressed by the way of john and his questions and what he's able to come up with each and every week but his first one out of the box if braylon james reclassifies to the 22 class who would be the ideal 23 wide receiver class for notre dame all right, so first of all, I, I still want us to pump the brakes just a little bit. There's a lot that has to happen. nothing's changed, right, right, that we know of, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I think Braylon would like to reclassify. There's at least an initial conversation happening. I, I think we're still a little ways of right. working out all the details. Having said that, just in this hypothetical situation, right? the thing is it doesn't change the 23 class. Like if you were going to take five receivers in 23, you're not going to take five still. Yeah, right. Because the point is you you have numbers need a receiver on your roster that this 23 class will address. You will then have an 85-man scholarship limit that this class would address. Braylon James jumping up a year wouldn't affect either one of those. It just move it. Because here's the thing. You need, let's say they, the number we view, Vince, for of just pure receivers is four. Right. Right. That's because they only signed one receiver last year, only had – you know, you had three the year before that, and then the year before that, there's none left on the roster from the right. year before that a receiver roster. Right, right. right. <clears throat> so if you signed two last year, like if, let's say C.J. Williams would have signed last year, your need's not four anymore. It's 
three, and then the fourth is a swing guy as opposed to now being right. the fifth guy. So same thing. If Braylon James reclassifies the 2022, then your need is really only three, right? And then a fourth guy that could, you know, you could still take four, just like we said, they could take five if the right, right. guys want to come, but it doesn't change your need. It, it just, it just moves it from one class to the right. next. Right. But as far as the ideal 23 receiver class, I mean, look, there's two guys for sure that Notre Dame wants in the class. <clears throat> that right now are still legitimate targets. Like, look, we talked about this the other day. They're not going to stop recruiting Cardinal Tate, right? Tommy Reese is going down to see him today. He's going down to see some other guys this week. So they're not going to stop recruiting him, nor nor, nor, nor should they. Yeah, no, they, they absolutely. They understand where they are right. yep. with him. Two guys they definitely, definitely want in this class, for sure, that are – well, there's really three. They want Jaden Greathouse. They want Rodney Gallagher and they want Ronan Hannafin. They definitely right. want those guys for sure. Now, there's right. other guys on the board like Malik Elzey and Tyler Williams. But again, I'll believe Tyler Williams is a legitimate option when he visits, right? When he gets on campus, I'll believe it. But in, until then, I think that's the that's the target now that Braylon's in the class. That's the objective. And then, of course, a guy like Micah Tease may get a shot there. Just depends on, you know, Vince, whether or not he's what, you know, he's willing to try offense but then be willing to move to defense or if he's just dead set on being an offensive player does he want right. to stay on defense there's a lot of moving parts on that one but he's the other he's another potential guy that could be okay. an offensive player so i think that is great house gallagher hannafin is right now is i think the ideal for them of targets that we view as being realistic targets at this point in time we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. John is going flipping over to the other side of the ball. Can Prince Collie still play Rover? Watching him play, he has excellent coverage skills, but is a bit undersized at the will middle linebacker spots. I don't think he's all that undersized, to be honest with you. Again, it's it's a different era, different time. I mean, I think he's close to three thirty now. I just he's a little bit lean, but he's a. I mean, if you see Prince up close, Vince, and, and I, I think you've seen him at the practices, he's a pretty thick upper body yes. kid. Yes. I mean, he's he's right now. I, I would say thicker than what JD Bertrand and Drew White were last year. Just upper body muscular. 
So I, I don't necessarily agree with the premise, John. Could he still play Rover? Potentially. I don't think the issue at Rover was, I don't think he was super comfortable in space. Yeah. I think that's more the issue. It's, I mean, athletically he can play it and body type is, you know, good. He's got that length that you really want there and all that. But I, I don't know if it's a situation where he was comfortable playing in space. Like you can be good in coverage, but not necessarily be really comfortable in space. And I think that was more of the issue for, for Prince. So I, I yeah. think Will Linebacker is a place where he's kind of felt feels really comfortable. Now, I wouldn't be opposed to giving him another shot at Rover, but right now I don't think that need is there. You've got right, Jack Kaiser, right. the returning starter. Jack had a good spring game. Uh, I, I thought he played well, overlooked because of how well other guys played, but Jack was good in that game. You got Jordan Patajo doing some really good things. Right. Your best, arguably your best signee in the 2022 class is playing Rover right now in Jalen Sneed. So I don't think there's a need there for him. Right. Now you could potentially say, okay, flip Patelho and 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 Prince Kali. And I mean, I, I think that would be a different conversation, but I, I think they like they like Patelho as an edge guy, whether it's as a rover edge or as a viper edge. I don't know if they love him as much coming inside where the discipline aspect is a little bit more that makes a lot of sense. A little bit more key to that. Right. You can you can be a little bit more freewheeling when you're out in space as opposed right. to when you're in the box. Yeah. I, d- I did want to say something, Vince. We did not take any draft co- questions, right? Because we knew we, we were on a limited time. If you all want to talk about the draft, even if it's not necessarily about Notre Dame, and, and Ryan will be here in about five to ten minutes. If you guys want to ask us about our draft impressions or opinions, feel free to do that too. Like It, it doesn't just have to be Notre Dame per se. Obviously, we can do that, but uh, I just want to make sure people understand it because we didn't take questions in the in the. Uh, I mean, if you can ask questions about like history, then we should be able to talk about the NFL draft. So, <laughs> I want to just make sure people know that we're open. Oh, to, so you guys didn't take questions in the first show. Well, we were working on a limited time because yeah, right. we had that window between, and I had to grab some lunch, and he had sure. an interview he had to do talking sure, sure, the draft. Sure. So we were like, "Look, that makes sense. Just we're going to do the show, and if you have questions, hang on to them." But I want people to. Yeah. If, you, if you had an NFL draft question that we didn't get to in the first show, feel free it. to throw that in. Yeah, it's a free-for-all, baby. Okay. Tommy Guns, do you think Austin would be a good complement for Tennessee with the Arkansas receiver? Well, that's a good one, Vince. I, You know, I actually think Tennessee would be a great place for him to go. Okay. I really respect that coaching staff. I think I think Mike Vrabel is a big believer in in playing the game the right way and fundamentals and all so that. From like, what I from what I watch of them, like I don't Vrabel, watch them yeah. on the NFL. <clears throat> but I think that's the kind of play toughness, you know, discipline. That's something that Kevin Austin needs. Yep. So I, I think that'd be a great fit for him just as a human being, as a compliment to Traylon Burks. Yeah, I think so. Traylon is is kind of a big possession type of guy that get his great ball skills. Ryan you no, know, Ryan likes his long speed. He talks about what he did. I, I don't love his long speed as much. I think separation is always going to be a little bit of an issue for Traylon Burks, but I think he's so physical and has great hands yeah. and you know and all that that I think he'll he'll make up for it. You know, in, in a lot of ways, he reminds me kind of a lot a lot of like Michael Floyd coming out. Right? I think Kevin more of a speed guy, a little bit more raw technically. Kevin is a guy that I think could create more separation once he learns how to play the position. So. And again, it's it's building off of a team that's a running team. And so you get this six right. foot two, 210 pound, you know, Kevin Austin working off the play actions and things like right. that. Yeah, I could see that being a good fit. Yeah, I, I, I would say I, I like Tennessee and, and I will echo everything that you said about Coach Vrabel. My I don't know what the coaching staff looks like 
individually from a from the wide receiver coaching standpoint. He needs to go to somebody who's going to stress the fundamentals, not right. the guy who's going to throw the plays up there and make sure they got them memorized. You know right. what I mean? Because there are all those guys in the NFL, right? Because right. they expect that by the time you're in the NFL, you should have the fundamentals down. And that's not that's not an expectation that they shouldn't have. Um, but right. Kevin needs to go someplace where he's going to get taught. And if if they have a wide receiver coach who does that well, um, yeah. and I'm pleading ignorance here, I don't know what they have on their staff, but if they yeah. have that, then that would increase my level of, yeah, that's a great place for him to go. So mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to say that. John says, could Kyle Hamilton be the first of three consecutive Notre Dame safeties taken in the first round of the NFL draft? So I am I am sure of the first two. I don't know who the third sure. one is. That, is are it? you thinking is he thinking Ramon Henderson? Is that who you're is that who you're John? I'd like to if you don't mind, I'll go down there and wait for his answer, Vince. But I'm yeah. really curious who the third I I would think maybe he's thinking Ramon Henderson. Okay. If that's the case, I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, know, I, not even close. Uh now, first of two, potentially, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I could I could see Brandon if Brand see the thing with Brandon Joseph is how's he gonna test? Sure. Right. So you got Kyle number one. You got Brandon potentially coming out this year. There, it's not given that that he said Henderson or Watts, and, and so it's not a given that Brandon Joseph's going to come out this year. But if he has a great oh, year and he plays like a first rounder, then he'll come out and be a first rounder. Right. So I could definitely see two. I'm I'm not ready to go there for the three. third one's tough for me too. Right. Because three yeah. in a row, like some somebody was said, you know, th maybe thinking Caleb Downs for the third and. I think he means three drafts in a row. Yeah, but three drafts John in a row. Is, then, yeah, is referring to. I don't see Ramon Henderson or Xavier Watts as being first round picks right now. And, I, and look, they're athletic and everything, but but they're right. a long way away as players from being yes. first round picks. Absolutely. Agree. So I am definitely not. I am definitely not there at this particular time when regards to viewing those guys as first round picks. Yep. John has an interesting question here, and I know you've seen Draft Day, the movie, right, Brian? Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, what's the weirdest test you have heard a draftee take part in? Uh, for example, the Draft Day and the $100 bill in the playbook. Whatever They, they taped a $100 bill to yeah. the last page of the playbook or whatever. Um, Brian Drew had the best response. He <laughs> sent it back in a card and said, wait till I win you a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I, it's, kind of, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I was trying to remember which NFL team it was last night, but there was talk about. I'm going to pull up my my uh, my draft sheet, but uh, I'm sorry to interrupt real quick. But I'm trying to think of what team it was that they were thinking about drafting a quarterback, and then they ended up not drafting a quarterback. I was trying to remember who it was, and I just got this this thought of like their quarterback, their current quarterback being like Brian Drew, like shaking his daughter, like he's going to snap her. Yes, you know, and they didn't draft. And they didn't draft Bo. Uh, well, could it what, the Saints? Yeah. <laughs> was no, it wasn't the Saints. Saints. I'm trying no? to see who it was. Uh, trying to go through this. It wasn't Washington. Jameis Winston. It might have been the Saints. Yeah, but it's just it's just kind of funny. I was just thinking about that. Like, you know, <laughs> I just got a got a good kick out of that. But. I will say, if you're an NFL player, like uh, like on a team on a roster. How do they watch the draft? You know what I mean? Like, are you watching? Like, oh crap, that's oh, my replacement. It was Jared Goff. It was Jared oh, Goff for the, for Detroit it, with yeah. the twelve pick? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> like, do you sit there and you're just like, oh boy? Uh, you know, I, I, I've always wondered that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how, you're sitting there watching your replacement get drafted, and you're like, yeah. oh boy, okay. Yeah. 
forget coach, compete with them. So, um, <laughs> anyway, as far as the weirdest test, that's probably a better question for Ryan Roberts whenever he decides to grace us with his presence. He's down there now. Can you not add yourself, Ryan? I'll add him. Okay, there you go. I'll just do it. He was just I, down there listening, I mean, hanging out. I mean, I can. I didn't want to interrupt a good conversation, though. I mean, I was being respectful. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. He's so nice. He's so kind. nice. <laughs> so do you, do you have one for this question, Ryan? Uh, weirdest test. Um, so, I mean, so usually it's like it's some type of word association stuff or it's something where, like, you give a guy a, a option, right? And um, – I, I was told this one story by this scout this one time where he basically – he was an older scout. And he basically had to reprimand a younger scout because the younger scout went into a a, a visit um, at a school and said to the kid, if you had to kill someone, which weapon would you choose? And he's like, uh, buddy, we're not doing that. We're leaving right now. So <laughs> there, are some, there are some weird macho scouts out there, man, that are like, oh, we're tough. We're going to kill things, and we're going to do all that type of stuff. So it is, it's bizarre, man, some of these. Yeah, I, they, I have yeah. met some scouts, and they are, they're either one of two ways. They're either really like – Analy- like thoughtful, like just intellectual, like talking about politics and all this other kind of stuff, or they're freaking meat wads who couldn't coach. <laughs> like meat there's wads. like no middle of the road with scouts. <sighs> like it's just like it seems like it's like two com- like if you were to have like a scouting convention, half the guys would be over here in like this World War II symposium where they're they're talking the impact of you know the the petroleum trade on Jap- J- Japan's decision to you know attack the United States, and then the other half are over here just like looking like idiocracy, you know, just down there pegging beers and like just having like, just having like, like arm wrestling contests and stuff. Yeah. 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 Like that's how I view scouts, right? Like in my, just from the guys I've met, it's like one of those two. Camps, so. Do you got, do you guys want another one real quick? Vince, this one's for you. Ready? Okay. Vince, if you could, if you had to run into a burning building and you can only take, uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase. Let me back it up. Your house is on fire and you can only run into your house and save one item. What would it be? And why? One item, so not a human being. Not a human. Everybody's out. Everybody's safe. Okay, everybody's out. Uh, it would probably be my wedding album. And why? Because he wants to stay married. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want. That's right. That's right. You know, back then, I don't the know if he has left over to be taken. I'm not 100% sure it was all digital back then. So yeah. those pictures may be the only copies. You know what I mean? So I, that's what I would grab. I got to grab my money maker, man. I got to grab my computer. Uh, I mean, that's, oh, that's a good point. That's, that's true. Yeah, we we had the school, so get yeah, a new we, one. <laughs> we had um we had Chris Oladokin on, who's a quarterback from South Dakota State, and he said that his his iPhone charger would be the one that he would take out because his iPhone's always in his pocket, so he'd have to get his iPhone, but he needs his iPhone charger to call for help. I'm like, that's all right. Okay. Makes so sense. I'm gonna call for help after I charge my phone. Yeah, or just go to CVS and Whoa, get a what new if, one. What if, what if it was dead, Brian? What if it was dead? <laughs> go to the freaking neighbor, ask them to use right. their phone. Like, what? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call 911 as soon as my phone charges. What? <laughs> if that was the okay. case, I would just grab the basket with all the cables in it at my house. You know what I mean? As opposed to just the one. I did want to ask Ryan this real quick question because we were uh the answer yes. is whatever my wife tells me to grab. That's 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 that's, that's but that's why Vince Vince already answered that question. He already knows what the missus is gonna tell him to grab. Get the wedding album or the Still dog. I mean the yeah. dog would be a big one, obviously. But that's not an item. Okay, fair enough. Right? Like yeah. 
yeah. She would I make did... sure the dog was secure before anybody else, yeah. I guess, in our house. I did want to ask him mm. the uh, John A. One's safeties question. Yeah. I know you listen, You were listening to the discussion, Ryan, and then he said he's thinking either Henderson or Watts. Your your response to this because obviously the first two are obvious Kyle and Brandon Joseph right but yeah thoughts on I know you I know you love Brandon Joseph but then thoughts on the the, the third one yeah I mean I think Brandon can 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 eventually be that type of guy because also I think next year's draft is just going to be a lot less populated like there's just going to be less oh. numbers next year so I think that offers more opportunity and you know I'm a big fan of Brandon Joseph if he, if he plays the way he did in 2020 full, yeah. this full year for Notre Dame then he's yeah, he's a first round caliber player. Enjoy him for a year. Yeah, but, yeah hey, exactly. I, yeah, I would, right. I, I will 100% enjoy it for a year, and I'd be completely, and I would cheer him on as he goes to the NFL. But I mean, it's it's way too early for Ramon Henderson. I like Ramon for what he is, right? Like he's got some range on the back end. He's a really athletic kid, but he's barely played safety. Like I need to right. see, I need to see a lot more. I'm gonna see if he's an uh, athletic football player. Like he showed flashes last year, but he also looked really bad in the. The blue gold game, and I didn't I hear mean, much from him during start the this year. I mean, yeah, I mean that's true. It's a good point. It's not a given. And Xavier Watts, I mean, it's I definitely not going there. I mean, everybody knows I love Xavier Watts, but I mean, I got to see him actually win a starting job or number two job. First. Right, exactly. Yep. Here's one. John says, "Do you suspect Notre Dame will be a variable front defense in 22, and do you want Notre Dame to be a multi front defense?" Very well, I mean, front and multi front are the same thing, right? So I take them as the same thing. Um, are they saying wait? Are they saying variable as in there's different techniques up front, and then multi is the three or four? I don't know if that's yeah. I don't know. John's a really a smart guy. He's a lot yeah. smarter than I am. So <laughs> he's like you know he's a he may be talking about that. For me, um, my thing is is you're going to see multiple fronts. You're going to see different personnel groupings. Right. You're going to see both of those. Right. And I want. But, but to me, that's all multiple. Right. Me. Right. Like a multiple front's not under one snap over the next snap. I mean, that's not multiple for me. Right. Uh, under uh, multiple is you're under one snap, you're over the next snap, you're in basically a double eagle the next snap, you're in an odd front the next snap. Like that's multiple. And then also within that, the personnel changes. Uh, so that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I view that one, Vince. There's, yeah. There's no I, I just, it's just yes along the whole line. Yeah. But, Charlie, you have to be, I think, in today's era. I agree. Yeah, because there's just too many smart guys and there's too many ways to defeat. Like, George is not overly multiple. But that's because, again, as we saw last night, they had, you know, five (laughs) first-round draft picks and then three other guys in their defense that are going to go in round two. Like, you can just out-talent people to a degree. And let's be honest, they only won the Nash Championship because Bama lost their top two wide receivers. That's a very good point, you know, but, but that, but the reason why is because when they play Bama, because Bama has dynamic athletes that can match them, they're able to score on them where nobody else has the athletes to match them. Right. And that, that's the point that I'm making. Like, even then there's limitations to it because you look what Bama did when they had even remote. I mean, they had their full arsenal in that game and they ripped Georgia apart with their pass game. Right. Because there's they just line up and they do what they do. And right. Bama was able to pick it apart. But when by the time you got to the middle of the second quarter in the championship game, there's no John Mechie, there's no Jameson Williams. Right. And so, you know. And no, it, they it, just pack up the box and go to town. I mean, that's. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop with the Super Chat. Thank you very much. He says, nothing to say. Just want to show my love to IB. Have a good weekend, everyone. IB is hands down the best source for fighting Irish intel. I mean, I'm biased, but I agree. So thank you very much for that. 
we're all kind of biased, but I think we would all agree. Yeah, I mean, you know. And I uh, think the thing that I like is a lot of the people that are on our site would agree with that too. Yes, which is no question. You know, no which question. is why we keep growing and growing and growing and growing. People so. always come to me and they're like, well, I heard this from another site, but I want to hear what you guys have to say just to make sure it's true. Like That's <laughs> that's pretty much how... I like that. I yeah. dig that. Right. Uh, Kevin Horton with the Super Chat. Thank you very much, Kevin. Some quick research in the top 25 NFL safeties had one, Fitzpatrick, who was drafted higher than Kyle 11th. Most were two to three. Thoughts? I mean, that's that's why Kyle fell to 14, right? It's because safeties are undervalued for the most part. I mean, the guys that have been drafted high recently, I mean, I think like Jamal Adams was a top 10 pick. He didn't really – I mean, he's been a solid player in spurts, but he hasn't been a great player, I mean, at all. And Derwin James was a mid-first-round pick. I think he was like 17 or something. He's a good football player. But, yeah, I mean, your point is valid, Kevin. It's – Jesse Bates was a second round pick. Marcus Williams was a day two pick. I think he was second or third round. So you have guys that are, you know, all over the place. But yeah, it's it's for the most part. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Guys are more day two players just because I think it's the value of the safety position. Honestly, it's just what typically it tends to be. I think that's going to change in the next decade. And here's why I think that's going to eventually change. Because I think it's all cyclical, right? As the game evolves, defenses tend to be like, behind in regards to personnel sure because kids grow up and they want to play this or they want to play that and they want to be corners or they want to be receivers or whatever because you know it's like somebody tweeted i think it was a don Schuler last night after the first five picks he's like defense is where the money's at right like well for a while there's like receivers where the money's at so you you get into that whole thing but i think what you're going to find is you're going to find more and more teams are going to start putting some of these six foot three rangy kids that are two-way players in high school that right now are going to receiver eventually you're going to start playing some defense. Sure. And some of these bigger corners are going to start, you know, and I think eventually you're going to start seeing because of as defenses figure out the best way to counter the modern offense is not with more linebackers. Eventually you're going to start seeing some of these athletes that weren't playing in the secondary before start playing in the secondary, at least safety. And now you're going to say, Hey, look, you know, we're, we go with this three safety look and we're there. So I'm not saying they're going to be a bunch of top five picks, but I do think at some point in time that position is going to be revalued in a way that running back won't be, you know, I don't think running backs can all of a sudden go back to the days where you were taking right. a bunch of running backs in the top five to 10. I do think safety eventually is going to be because as there are more Kyle Hamilton's and Jeremiah Wusukora Moa's and Isaiah Simmons is as college teams start to try to attack the, the, offenses that are coming to college you're going to see more options where there's going to be more Kyle Hamilton and then also part of it is if if guys like Owusu Koromoa and Kyle Hamilton and to a degree Isaiah Simmons can start having more success and being impact players right then people say hey I want the next I want the next that guy you know but I was actually I mean if you look at it there were three safeties taken in the first round last night I mean that's that's not bad you right. Know, and, well, and whereas how many running backs were taken in the first round? Last well, and a lot and a lot of that, I think, also has to do with the fact that, you know, the way offenses are, it's a pass happy league now. I mean, and like you said, running backs are undervalued uh, or devalued because they're just not used as much. And you can almost plug and play a lot of different running backs into these offensive systems that NFL teams are running. And if I'm an NFL team and I know that these teams are going to be throwing the ball all over the place, well, how do you combat that? get a safety that can play on you know two different levels and come downhill and can do all these different things 
a la Kyle Hamilton, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I think mm-hmm. that you're right. I think it's going to be, there's going to be more value in the secondary because of the evolution of these offenses and what yeah. they're doing too. Yeah. So, you know, pass rushers and safeties like that's and corners. Those yeah. are the guys you're going to need. Now, and, again, is there going to, are there, is there ever going to be a year where there's a run on safeties like we saw and run on receivers in the top 15 last night? I'm not saying that. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like a Kyle Hamilton going fourth will go fifth. Instead of three guys being taken in the first round, there's five, but they're still going to be second half of the draft guys is what I'm referring to. Like you're not going to sure. see a safety get taken number one overall in seven. Sure. Years. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's going to, it's, I, I just, I don't see running back changing. No, I, I just, either. I don't, I don't I really see don't. that all of a sudden you'll see a kid here and a kid there, but I just don't see running back the way the NFL is going. Plus, you know, again, running backs just have a different shelf life. And now let's be honest too. A lot of guys that were running backs 15 years ago are now first round getting drafted in the first round as linebackers. Mm-hmm. that's the other thing too that's a good just, point you know i mean that's just kind of how how, how the evolution that's what i'm saying is the cyclical part of it <clears throat> yeah right? there's, what I'm there's, there's gonna be a running back drafted quite high next year though Bijan? So, there could yeah he could be a that kid's the no that's deal, right man. travion's not travion's not coming out that's, that's right two years from now yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah next year's running back class is pretty nutty man you got uh Bijan, jameer gibbs tank bigsby jameer gibbs is an interesting one to me He's like, fast, man. He's fast. I think he's gone from undervalued to a little overvalued now. He's got to show me a little something at Bamba this year, but he's going to have a chance because he's going to fit that offense pretty well. Sure will. Pretty well. Here we go. Here's another one from John A1. All right. He says, does Notre Dame use tight end screens? I can't remember Mayer getting that kind of a target, even though I believe tight end screens suit guys like Tommy Tremble. Is that a wrinkle IB would want to see? Well, let me Let me address that one first. They used to run a decent amount of tight end screens. Yes, they did. And they would do that that bootleg under screen where like the you know it looks like a slide route, but he's actually catching down the line and they're blocking down the field. They would do stuff like that. But the problem is last year the offensive line was so bad, they were just terrible screen blockers. Right. I and mean, you're you're gonna Kane Madden out in space and want him to go block a corner or safety, it just isn't happening. So that was more of Tommy Reese went away from that last year because of the fact that he just didn't. I mean, you got to know what you have. Yep. And and I don't think that that was like I don't know if Josh Lug is someone I want like Josh Lug as a guard with a guy like Blake Fisher. Cool, I can dig that, right? But Josh Lug, when he's your most athletic guy on the perimeter, because you're running the screen to your right, not no no thanks, right, right. So, but is it a wrinkle? I'd like see absolutely any yeah. any way that you can get Michael Mayer in the ball. And honestly, even if you just run a couple of them early, then that sets up things we can do off of them as teams start keying Michael Mayer. But the problem is early in the season, it's going to be a little challenging to do that because teams are going to be so locked in on Michael Mayer that, I mean, it's going to be hard to – like right. they tried to run a tight end screen in the to him in the uh, the blue-gold game, and the defense ate it up, and Maris picked it off. If you go back and watch the interception Maris had, that was a tight end screen. They faked the pl- thing to the running back, and they actually had Mayer kind of come on behind it. Pretty decently well-designed play, but the defense sniffed it out because they'd probably seen it ten times in practice. Exactly, that's the other thing. Yeah, Agreed. and uh, they sniffed it out pretty good. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll. I think we'll see. Ryan, I, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. I imagine, I imagine we're on the same page on that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's situational, right? Like, there's, you know, the what you have up front is very going to dictate your ability to run certain concepts, right? So I, I would love to see tight end screens. I would absolutely love it, but it's just, yeah, gotta gotta have the. Got to have the Joes do it, right? Jimmy's and the Joes. Right. And they have that. They have it up at tight end. They just, and I think they'll have it at receiver this year. Yeah. John has a bold prediction about Michael Mayer since we're talking about tight ends. He said, 
85 receptions, 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. Am I crazy? I don't want to. I don't want to comment if you're crazy or not, John. That's for other people to we decide. We have met you, right? John. We do not think you are. Ryan yeah. has not. Vince and I. I've not met you. <laughs> you're not, John. Crazy. I assume you're not crazy, though. I assume yeah. that you're not. Uh, I, I think that's just a little high, John. Just a little bit. Like I, th- I think that he could have 800, 900 type. But like I expect wide receivers to kind of take a step forward as far as like picking up a little bit of production. So I just, and it's going to be a, a heavy run offense, right? Like I think Tyler Buckner is going to have a decent amount of, of passing yards, but like I've been on the tune of like maybe 2,800 passing yards from Buckner. So like 1100 out of 2,800, that's a very high percentage. So I'm just say it's a little lower than that, but he's going to have an outstanding season if he stays healthy, obviously. I would, Vince, I would say it's possible. I mean, he's got the talent to do it. I, sure. I think to Ryan's point, I don't know if they're going to throw it enough to where one individual guy is going to like, let me, t- I think they're going to throw it. I think 2,800 yards. I think they're going to t- also, I think the backups are going to throw. I, I'm not going to be shocked if Tyler Buckner gets to 3000 yards this year, just in 13 games. I'm not going to be shocked by it, but I think you're going to have, you know, three, 400 yards in the backup quarterbacks. But again, when the, when that happens, that's not being thrown to Michael Mayer unless it's an injury right. related situation. So I just think he would have to have so much production the second half of the year because early in the season, I have a hard time seeing him catching hundred, you know, going for almost not hundred yards a game just because teams are going to be focused on him so much. Well, right? and, that, and that's the key right there yeah. is, is the focus. I mean, right now, Coming into the season, he's their best offensive player. So you yeah. they're gonna key on him. And so somebody until somebody else steps up and says, Hey, you gotta think about me too, he's gonna be the guy that they're keying on. And he's still gonna get his receptions and his yards. I just don't know that it's gonna be quite this high. And wasn't mm-hmm. the number last year 10 touchdowns? And you're like, No, that's never gonna happen. And he didn't really what he end up with seven. Yeah, because I had a bet with somebody yeah. said he was going to get to 10. Right. And I think he had like a couple in the first couple games, and he was like, I'm going to win the bet. And I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens when teams aren't keying yeah. on him. Right. Well, you I know, think it's going to be the opposite this year. Yeah. They're going to key on him early. Right. And then it, assuming somebody steps up, which I think that they will, yeah. then they got to spread things out. Well, we started to kind of see that a little bit late in the year last year, I thought. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, kind of late in the year as we saw – Kevin Austin start to make more plays and the past game started getting a little bit more spread around and the quarterback actually right. having more time. You know, we saw Michael sort of step up with some, some big moments. And, you know, he got a little banged up last year too. We forget his 71 catches for 840 yards. That came with him missing the Virginia tech game That's and true. being banged up for a big chunk of the Cincinnati game. But if you look at his last four games, he had seven, three, nine and seven catches scored four touchdowns in the last four games in 84, 86, 105, and 72 yards. I mean, that puts him on a pace to be at 1,100 yards next year. I would say this. If he gets to 1,100 yards, my bet would be, Ryan, that he does it on few, fewer than 85 catches because I think it has to be some more yeah. chunk, chunk plays because of the nature of the offense. A little more of a seam runner next year. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the part of that stat I could definitely see, though, I could see 85 catches because that's not a huge jump from this year. Like, if he catches 85 passes, I think it's going to be for less yards. That's fair. It, but the one that I see is the 10 touchdowns I could definitely see. Like, not last year. I didn't see it last year. I could definitely see it this year because you're going to have a quarterback that's going to be such a great red zone weapon. Right. But those linebackers and safeties have they're to gonna get bite. real peaky. Yeah. yeah they're going to bite. Gonna be pe- and, Ryan, that's to, and that goes back to, Ryan, what you were talking about on the, the show earlier. I think it was this week where we were talking about kind of projecting Tyler Buckner. It was that thing of you, you. One of your bold predictions was he was going to have a mess of rushing touchdowns. 
Well, I think that's going to open up some opportunities where Michael Mayer is going to find himself running all alone in the end zone and Tyler's just going to flip it over his head. Pretty good big target to be flipping to, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's an okay situation. But that's what an athlete like Tyler Buckner can do to you in the red zone. And that's, that's interesting. I'm really curious to hear your guys' opinions on this next question. Isaiah Foskey is Notre Dame's most talented defensive lineman since Vince, you go first. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. I mean, there's kind of an easy answer for me, but I, I, I'm i going to follow up with this depending on what your guys' answer is. You guys both still thinking? Yeah, I'm going to have think my, for a second. The easy answer for me is he's their best defensive lineman since Stephon Tuitt. Okay. I mean, I think he's better than Julian Aguara. I think he's better than Khalid Kareem. I definitely think he's better than Jerry Tillery. Jerry Tillery had one great game in 2018. He was good the rest of the year, but he wasn't great the rest of the year. He just was a little bit at, you know, a unique unicorn athlete. I think he's their best defensive lineman, and stuff. And he's better than Sheldon Day, even though Sheldon Day had a great 2015. Better than Romeo Aguara, better than Isaac Rochelle. To me, he's their best defensive lineman since since Stephon Tuitt, and I'm talking about the 2012 version of Stephon Tuitt. That was 10 years ago, man. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. I'll so so that's my pick. What do you guys think? Would you it's guys to go want to make a case that. for Tillery or? Tillery was the first one that came into my head, to be perfectly honest with you, just based on the the some of the production that he had. Yeah, I mean that he was the first one to come into my head. Uh, I see where you're coming from with two. I'll I'll stick with Tillery just to be different, Um, but I I, because he's the first one that popped into my head, so I I will stick with Tillery. I I was thinking Tillery too because it it doesn't say who's the best defensive lineman since. It says who's the most talented. I mean, Jerry Tillery had some insane talent. I mean, he was long, sub-5, 40-yard dash. He was a really explosive kid for his size and really flexible. So I'll probably go with him, but two, it's a great answer. My problem was I I started also just thinking about like pure edges, right? Like I don't think of two, it is pure edge. Tillery obviously was pure edge. edge. Yeah, more of edge than Tillery. But for some reason, like Justin Tuck popped in my head and that's where like my mind was going a little bit. That was going to be my next question. Okay. So let's say that I, so do you guys think that it, do you guys think that Isaiah Foskey, if he grows the way that you think you do, do you guys think he'll be better this year than Tillery or, and, uh, uh, tuck, tuck, or no, to it, to it, and tuck. Yes. No, no, no. To it and tillery. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then my question is, yeah. is then, then how far to go back? Which Ryan, you answered, yeah. and it's yeah. Justin Tuck. Yeah, I don't know, but, and I don't think he surpasses Tuck. Right. Well, see, I, I, I think he will because I, I, I don't think Justin Tuck, his game never got like Justin Tuck had a great like season at Notre Dame, and the stats were there, but like. He was still younger. There were parts of his game that were still evolving, which is I still why, think he partly stuck why he around. was a second-round pick. Agree. I think, I think if Justin Tuck would have come back for a senior year, this isn't even a conversation. Right. I, right. I think Justin Tuck would have been a super high pick if he had come back, assuming he had got coached up. Right? Sure. I, I think I think if if Isaiah Foskey put it together, there's no reason that he can't be Aiden Hutchinson next year. Like there's yeah. no well perceived as Aiden Hutchinson. Sure. I think he's a, could be a better prospect. I think than he's Aiden more Hutchinson, talented. Exactly. Yeah. I could Way see, more I could see next year being exactly like this year's draft, Ryan, with two edge players going one and two. Unless a quarterback emerges as a, a number one overall caliber guy, and right now I don't know who that would be. I could see, depending, of course, there's always the well, who, who has number one and two, but it wouldn't sure. shock me if next year if we saw similar with Will Anderson going one and Isaiah Foskey going two. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a jump from where he is now, but it's, it's, he's got the talent to do so. It's not outlandish. It's not no. outlandish. Here's, here's the other part of it. If Justin Tuck comes back, people got to remember that would have been 2005. 
he had been part of a really good team, and he'd had this dude named Victor Abimiri playing on the opposite side of him as now a junior. Yeah. And that would have been a sick. I'll tell you this right now. Notre Dame beats USC in 05 if Justin Tuck comes back. Completely there's agree no with way that. in heck that Matt Leinart has time to throw that football. Yep, completely agree with that. I was so yeah. devastated when he left for the draft. Yeah. I thought he – I really thought he needed to stick around. You know, that was at the very beginning of my coverage of the team, and I was devastated. I, I thought he really could have helped himself and the team because I think the writing felt like it was on the wall to a degree that this team could be really good offensively. And the defense was like right there, and he just would kind of almost like the missing link, if you will. Um, if he would have no come doubt. back and he would have submitted those two himself. pass rushers yeah. with Derek Landry and Trevor Lawrence yeah. up the middle. Yeah, that'd been one heck of a defensive line. USC then when Chris been in Strong trouble. got hurt, you're running the rest here with Ronald Talley. True, yeah, right, you know, which was not where you wanted to be. Sure, not, yeah. not at all. Where That's there's a good three point. what ifs for me in regards to guys coming back during coaching transitions. Tuck is the first one. Jimmy Clausen's the second one. And I'll be honest, Kevin Austin's the third one for me. Wow. Because I look at what this offense could be next year. Like, we're talking about, like, you know, who's going to step up a W. Imagine having Kevin Austin in the boundary with Chancey Stuckey coaching him. Yeah. And you've got Styles and Davis and, and, see, and all those guys <sighs> in the field. I mean, like, man. That offense would be I, nasty. I would love to get Kevin Austin in a room, just the two of us, and just be like, hey, you really think you made the right decision here? He'd say yes. I just that's man. the issue. That's the issue with Kevin, though, right? Well, okay, that's He'd fair. Say yes. That's fair. But like he could have been, he could have he his stock could have gone through the roof if he would have come back another year. Right. Just unbelievable. Could have been so good. But agree. We digress. We digress. Christopher Crosby says, join the message board last week. Welcome, Christopher. Welcome. Great community, great content. My question is, if we keep both safeties currently in the class but miss on Caleb Downs, do we go after someone like King Mack or no? I mean, it doesn't seem like they have that much interest in King Mack. So, I mean, they've, they've that ship has seemed to sail. So, safeties, I mean, they were kicking the tires with Malik Hartford for a little bit out of Ohio. I don't know if But he's a hot – I mean, yeah. he's a real – I mean, he's a top-line yeah. kid in my opinion. I right, don't know what right. you think of him, Ryan, but like – yeah. He's one of those, well, yeah, of course you got to recruit that guy. He's a top <laughs> sure. recruit. Sure. I yeah. love King Mac, but I don't view him as that kind of guy. No, no, no. King's more like a decent range, good good yeah. IQ, but also I, I think he has like some slot upside too, you know, like he has a little bit of that look because he's a little bit undersized, right? Mm-hmm. But I, th- I honestly think that they would be okay with just taking two. But yeah, if they could a- get Caleb Downs, yeah. then – and I, and I wonder if part of that, you know, you see how how Justin Walters, did, you know, I think there's other things that fa- always factor into whether or not you're going to take a guy that kind of jumps up like that. But and look, there's are they would they be open to a third guy? Yes, if a guy presented itself. But it doesn't seem to me because if they were dead set on taking a third safety, there'd be other guys that they'd be pushing harder for right now. And I and it, like King Mac, and the fact that they're not recruiting King Mac tells me that it's kind of Caleb Downs or nothing. It was like right. Caleb Downs, then Malik Hartford, and then we're good with what we have. I also think that they're a little bit more sold on Peyton Bowen staying in the class now than they were a month ago. Sure. Okay. And I think that's a factor in this in this conversation as well. John, going deep here, he says, what are your IB's spring grades for Marcus Freeman's new staff? Who's the assistant of the quarter? I'll answer the second one. The first one I think is I'm, it's a, still incomplete. You know, yeah, I just think overall, I think the staffs both did well. I think the assistant of the quarter so far for me 
is is uh, Chancey Stuckey just because he's he was the one that I had the biggest questions about. Sure, he's had he's had success in the recruiting trail, right? Like, wasn't he the first of the new coaches to get on the board for the twenty three class? Right, like I don't count twenty three class, yeah. For yeah, the Stephen McCullough yeah. got Jabron Payne. That's a little bit different because he you got him to sign with you already once right. before. Right. Yeah, he already <laughs> recruited him. A little like, different yeah. than like Chancey yeah. was recruiting the other kid at Baylor. It's not like it, he signed there. with you at Baylor, right? right? Like it's a little yeah. different. Right. Yeah, it doesn't take away from that being a good recruiting job. It just it's just a little it's it's just a different, different scenario. I get that. But he was the guy that had biggest question marks about guys. I mean, and that's the thing is we saw growth, but it's it's hard. It's I say that just because of expectations, but I loved what he standed with the line. You know, and Vince and I disagreed a little bit on that. I I, I loved the growth from one to fifteen from the line. I thought Al Washington did a great job with the D line, but again, he inherited a really good defensive line. Sure. You know, I look. I think Al Golden's done a really good job, but again he's taken over for a really good defense. You know, Dela McCullough's taken over a really good running back room. So he was, to me, it was going to come down to Harry or, or, or Chancey because they were the ones that were coming in the situation where they actually had to significantly improve on what they inherited. So it's going to be one of those two guys. And, you know, I well, this thing. Chancey was the bigger unknown for me. I was, I was hoping you'd go with Harry so I could go with Chancey. Um, <laughs> if I'm being honest and, and, and mine would have been a little bit different reasoning, because I had no expectations on Chancey Stuckey. I had none because I just didn't know that much about him. And I've coached wide receivers in the past and I was a wide receiver. Um, and so I'm naturally, option offense. Hey, whatever. It still said WR <laughs> next to my name. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I am born naturally drawn to that position group. And so when I was at practice, I was right there while he was coaching these kids up. I was like, yeah. man, this guy can coach. Yeah. And it was really refreshing to hear the way he was coaching. And then also the way that the guys were listening and yeah. just soaking it all and up. All, like practice. Because of yes, this was, they said, you guys sent me like you guys recorded so we could cut up, but I got to watch it. But you guys just like let it roll during the yes. receiver individual. So I got to listen to all of it. It's like, he's hitting all the points. It's easily right. digestible. He's not talking just to talk. He's repeating the same thing over and over again, which is a really important key. Because yeah. like in spring practice, you're going there like today, my focus is going to be on this. Right. I'm really going to hammer them on this. I'm going to really focus on this. And you keep repeating, you beat it into their head. Right. And you can see the kids back there like, you know, pre- so he's showing the first guy something and they're all back there like practicing their moves yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And they're drinking they were locked it in. up, man. They were and, locked in. and that tells me a lot about the relationship that he already has with that group. So that's why I was going to go with you chance. Know. So it's a little bit different of a reason, uh, but it's still the same conclusion. Fellas, we're getting some phenomenal questions today. Like our group came correct today in a big, big way. It's not yeah. just John A. One either. Detroit Hunter, I love this question. Who would you pick for a surprise fall emergence? The whole drastic summer improvement, like we saw with Joe Alt last year. Ooh, did Joel surprise Alt fall emergence. Who is your pick? So, I guess the premise is we didn't really know anything about Joe Alt and just kind of came out of nowhere and became a you know, a starter and a pretty good football player. So Ryan, let's, uh, let's start. Actually, let's go with, with the season vet, right? Let's go with Vince here. Vince, who is your <laughs> pick? That. Who is your pick? <clears throat> a surprise emergence. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Merriweather. Okay. Because we don't know. I mean, we all think he's going to be really good. Um, but we haven't seen anything because he's not even on campus yet. And so yeah. I think with a with a great summer, I think he could climb up the depth chart a little bit. 
and he could be somebody that is in the mix. Let me ask so, you this. I'll Would that, that surprise you? Um, because was, Joe Walt was the guy we thought was going to sit for two years. And play. Sure. Yeah, well, right. Well, me it was, saying the number one kid in the class is going to play as a freshman isn't a big surprise. It wouldn't surprise me, but the other thing is I just – I'm definitely a guy like I don't jump into the recruiting rankings like you guys do. Mm-hmm. And I listen to what you have to say. I digest it, but I haven't seen them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be a little bit of a surprise to me also. And again, I realize it's a different coaching staff. Yeah, I, it's not I, Brian Kelly. I, I get that. But like right. Vince is still dealing with the guys, PK PTSD. That's yeah. Vince is still dealing with PK PTSD. I absolutely am. I absolutely am. So to see a young guy out there at wide receiver would be refreshing. Okay. So let's say you, Ryan. Does Alexander Ahrensberger count? Yeah, I'd be oh, surprised. Yeah, I think so. If he becomes like a impact, like rotation player at end, yeah, yeah, you know, three technique, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I think that I'll I'll say that he cracks the rotation. He has like some cool stat line of like seven tackles for loss and four sacks or something like that as a rotational. That'd piece. be huge. Yeah, yeah that would be, be huge. I I dig that quite a bit. I would like piece. that quite a bit. I'm going Kane Barong. I think Kane Barong's gonna is gonna get healthy and kind of come into this fall and, and look at the fact that none of the other tight ends really stepped up and he's going to become a player. Yeah. That's I a good think, one. I, I think he's, that's my pick. That's my pick. Surprise. Cause again, we're talking surprise, right? So I don't want to go with something obvious like, uh, Blake Fisher is going to become an all American. <laughs> like, okay. Well, right. Uh, right. Like Jacob well, Lacey. Well, that's, we all knew once Jacob Lacey got healthy, he was going to be a play, you know, like in uh, Maris Lewis out, that's not going to shock anyone. Right. And after all the talk we had about junior two Alamaca, I don't think that was, see, he's the first one that came into my head. I was like, but that's yeah. not going to be a surprise. surprise. Exactly. Like yeah. hey, I, I, I can use Maris forever. I had that one like two right. years in advance. So right. I can use that forever. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. But then he got hurt and he ruined it for you. So, I mean, like, to me, I, I was thinking, what corner could I pick? But, again, I don't think that would surprise anybody. And so right. that's why I was – Well, I was, I was thinking about Riley at corner for a yeah. second. I was like, that would be a li- – like, he's Still he was a highly Riley. ranked kid. Yeah. yeah, I was like, he's a highly ranked kid, but, like, I feel like he's not getting talked about no, much No, that all. would be – I think that would be a surprise because if it was Barnes or Mickey, I don't think anybody would be shocked by that. But, yeah, Philip Riley Phillip or Chance Riley, Tucker yeah. was that guy. Yeah. I think those two would be a surprise just because yeah. I think you mentioned it, Ryan. We're, we're just not – we're not talking about him a lot. John A1. Here we go, Vince. Here's a good one. All right. At season start, where do you see the wide receiver room compared to college football field? Top 30, top 15, top 10. I can't go with the latter two right now. No, it's exactly my point. I agree with you. I'm comfortable with the top 30. 30. I I am. I'm comfortable with top 30. I think there's talent there. Uh, but again, just got on to do, potential alone, they're a top 25 caliber receiver. They, they've got to show it in a game, though. They they if this offense is going to be what we think it can be, the wide receivers have got to play, and and yeah. they've got to play well. They just do. Uh, I have confidence that that will be the case, but I can't say top fifteen, top ten right now. Yeah, I just I can't go there yet. Just can't. You know, big test game one, no doubt about that. Right. But I think if they can show out against Ohio State, which I think they have every opportunity to do so against that secondary, then all of a sudden people are going to be talking about this wide receiving core. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm just stage. still a believer with all of it. Beating Ohio State's great, but it, it's not a we've arrived moment. No, no, no. Anyway. But I, I feel like right. then all it of a sudden now they're going to be playing with confidence yeah. and people are yes. going to notice the, like that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with yeah. you on that. Ryan, thoughts? Agree? Disagree? Yeah, no, I didn't add anything in because I, I agree with you guys. I just need to see a sample size, right? Like, I mean, who's the leading receiver coming back? Avery Davis. It's like he's a good complimentary right. piece, but like is there – it'd be awesome if Avery Davis was – a good cog, not the dude. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I want to see 
I want to see point. development there. Somebody's got to step up as a boundary, and it can't be Lorenzo Styles. That's my thing. Is as a full time yeah. boundary, and until until that happens, whether it's Dion Colsey, whether it's Jaden Thomas, whether it's Tobias Merriweather, whether it's Joe Wilkins, I got to see somebody because yeah. just in this offense, that's such an important position, or at least it has been. And it maybe yeah. it's not the leading receiver this year like it's been in the past. And Ryan and I have talked about this before, but it can't be like twenty catches from right. the boundary either. You right. have to have that guy that can win. And, you know, right now, I don't know if they have that guy. So I, I love the talent, the potential. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be, they're going to produce well next year because you have the best tight end in the country because you have backs and the system and RPOs. But just because you're putting up numbers doesn't necessarily mean you're, a, you're an impactful unit. And that's something that obviously we got to see here. Here's an interesting for you, Ryan. Who would have the better short shuttle? Shadarian Price or Christopher? I'm going to change this. So let's go. Who would have the better 40, which I think we would agree probably. Mm-hmm. And then who would have the better shuttle? Yeah, I'd say Tyree obviously would have the faster 40. Uh, Price, I would think, would have the faster yeah. short shuttle. He seems like a little more of a shifty, kind of elusive type of dude, so I would imagine that he changes direction a little quicker. Straight line speed, though, you, you can't go against Chris Tyree. No, no you cannot. We no. still need to have an Irish breakdown uh, combine, by the way. Still waiting no. for it. You better give me about a month's notice. Because <laughs> I didn't need to start stretching. That early. I'm gonna have a my agent's gonna is gonna let me know right before that event that it's probably best that I sit out and not devalue myself and risk further it's, injury. It's gonna the draft. It's gonna hurt your stock, man. You need to no, get your verified God. numbers, right? Yeah, <laughs> not happening. This is John a really, one. This is a good question from John. He says yeah. Zeke Carell played well at center, as we said he would. Would I be considered still making the move with Patterson to right uh, tackle? Wow, or right guard? I, I'm definitely not moving to a tackle yeah. right now. No, I mean, I, I, the only way I'm moving Blake Fisher away from tackle is if some other tackle emerges is just like, wow. We got to get him on the field. And none, and him or Joe Walt can't move, you know, aren't ideal suited for guard. That's the only way I'm moving Blake from tackle. And, and I've talked a lot about moving Blake from tackle. My thing is you be open to it if the circumstances arise. Jarrett Patterson going to tackle is not that circumstance. And that doesn't mean he can't play it. I think he can play it very well. I'm just not taking a center and moving a tackle unless I have to. Right, exactly. And that's why Barrett Jones, you know, went out there. It's why other guys have gone out there because there was the need, not because necessarily it was your your best position. Uh, What I consider moving him to guard, I would say I'd probably be more willing to move him to to left guard before I would move him to right guard. I, I, I. I don't. I, I know everyone's like ready to just be done with the Josh Lug era. I would advise you against that. You know, I just just let's see Josh develop and move I, I i think if anything they move him to left guard before they move uh, to center you took the words right, right out of my mouth that that that's I, I i still believe in josh and i believe what he can do and i am not going to be looking past josh lug and i think the biggest question mark right now on the offensive line is left guard and mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily say anything negative about the guys that have been playing there but that's my biggest question mark right now and if i'm moving patterson anywhere if that's on the table for discussion it's to the left, not to the right. So I, I agree with you there. Yep. Here's a good one. Notre Dame 2164. Is there any team this year that you guys would trade our running back room for? I've looked around and I don't think uh, I would when looking at it as a whole. And we talked about this with Ohio State, right? And I said yeah. that if I if we were talking about like it was a few weeks ago, we were talking about like making the ultimate Ohio State Notre Dame team. Oh, like putting and they said, the if I'm just taking teams. a starter, with all due respect to the Notre Dame backs, it's not even a conversation. I'm taking Trey Gunn Henderson. He's a, he's a stud. But I said I would take two to five at Notre Dame over the two to five at Ohio State. Right. So if it's the entire right. room, 
you know, I'd probably still take Notre Dame's, but again, there it's you still have to think about is the difference between one and one so great that you have to be willing to take that one and one. That's the thing is like, do you sacrifice the depth for having a Travion Henderson, a Bijan Robinson? That I mean, that at, at a position like running back, I think you have to think about that. Absolutely, I right. Do too. And and if I you know on a grade, right? Who whose backfield has a better grade? You may take Notre Dame's, but if we're talking about practically putting a football team together, Ryan, I'm not taking Bijan Robinson off the field that much. I'm not taking Travion Henderson off the field that much, and that's something that those teams have that right now I don't think Notre Dame has. Right. And I don't so, think anybody would disagree with the fact they don't have a bell cow back right now. I mean, yeah, I don't think it needs to be a bell cow. I mean, it just means a proven this guy's yeah. going to go into this game and give us a chance to have 100 yards. I think there's a lot of guys that have the have the potential to do that, but are there guys that that are known commodities that right. are even in the same universe as a Bijan or or, or a Trayvon Henderson? I don't I don't think that's the case. So I don't think that's an as easy – like if I'm just talking like on paper who has the better depth chart, it's Notre Dame, and I've made that case before. But if we're talking about practically putting a football team on the field to go win a game, that's a different That's a different conversation sure. for me. Yeah, I, I think the only team that I could think of that is in the conversation is you mentioned Texas already. I mean, they have Bijan, but they also have that Roshan Johnson kid who's a good yeah. back as, as a second. And they have Keelan Robinson, who's the Alabama transfer, as their third stringer now. So like – a good depth chart that's a good depth chart but i mean other i mean if we're talking one through four as a four i i i think it would be very difficult to find four that are as good as what notre dame has right now yeah it'd be be tough it'd be tough i mean really five you add jabron Payne into that conversation who's a four-star kid i mean all five of those kids for me on the ib board graded out as Graded out as four-star players coming out of high school. Here's another really good one from John A1, and then we're going to try to get some other people in here. They've <laughs> all been great questions. Yeah, exactly. If I was breaking out to choose between Jaden Osbury and Samuel and Pemba, who would you take? Why do I have to pick? They're playing different positions in my ideal world. <laughs> you yeah. know, like if you look at him trying to steal my uh no. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean but, but they're just they're so different yeah. though. Yeah. They're just so different. They're not like see, I, like I mean, John, in a in a perfect world, like and Pemba's like a Will Viper to me, right? right. And I and Osbury would be a rover viper, you know what I mean? So rover like they're just Will, a little mean? a rover will. I'm sorry, not a viper. Yeah, rover will. So like they're just such different players. It's tough for me. I'd go Osbury simply because as of right now, they, I do think they need a third linebacker in this class because Josh Burnham moved to Viper. Like before I was like, I'm okay with only two linebackers. Like I would like a third, but I'm okay with only two because you just signed four, but they've already moved Josh Burnham to Viper. And you had one guy on the roster from the year before, none from the year before that. So that's six linebackers in three years. That's not ideal. Mm -hmm. Right. What's up, Ryan? I'm just gonna say I'm changing my answer. I just there's another layer that got into this conversation. Yeah. Jay Nosberry is right from the bayou, so I'm taking him out of LSU's backyard. He's I, that's getting, an easy he's answer. Spiteful with it. I, I love am. That. I it's love. Fine. There's nothing fine. wrong with that, Ryan. Is he really? He, he has. He has like Rouge. a. He, yeah, he has like to, a, He goes yeah. to University Lab. His campus is his high school is I believe on LSU's campus. Wow. Isn't so, his yeah. isn't his dad or something on the LSU staff or works for the school or yeah, something? Works yeah, for the school, I so, believe. Yeah. yeah, so that Even would better. be still that not would be, LSU. But just practically speaking, I think they need a third linebacker, and I'm confident Jaden Osbury stays a linebacker. I'm not confident that Samuel and Pemba doesn't follow Josh Burnham right down to defensive end, and I think he could end up being a big end because I think he could be 265, 
in in time, and and be able to play kind of both of those. So I'm I'm going Jay, and I just think Jaden Osbury is a Samuel and Pemba. You're betting on the upside. Yeah, he's not an elite football player right now. He's an elite talent. It's like the Jayden NFL Osbury, draft right yes. now. <laughs> Jaden Osbury is the exact opposite. He's not the elite uh, intangibles guy. Not intangibles. Um, measurables guy. He's not six three. He's not two thirty. But that kid's a one of the he's one of the three best linebackers in the country right now as far as just pop on the film this kid makes a ton of plays this kid's got instincts this kid can run there are other guys like anthony hill and darren galette and samuel pemba and guys like that who have the the, they're the six threes they're the 225s they're the they're the 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 kid from kentucky that got drafted last year you take that kid and i'm gonna take the better football player in jeremiah that's how i see it and that I, I Jade Nosbury is one of my favorite players in this class. I mean, he's just a phenomenal foot. You know who he is? He's he's he could be Notre Dame's Jonathan Vilma. That's how I view him. Like he's not gonna blow you away. Like Jonathan Vilma wasn't an elite athlete, he was a good athlete, but he wasn't like an elite athlete. He was small, but the guy was a super smart and a phenomenal football player. And he was athletic, he just wasn't, you know. But I'll take a guy like that over the kid from Kentucky in day of the week. And who didn't see that coming? Right. I mean, anyone that actually watches film and still cares about film over analytics looked at that and was like, that's going to be stupid. Like, that's <laughs> going to be a dumb move. But he had production and he's 6'4 and he's fast. Okay. Cool. So did Andy, cool. Andy Katzenmoyer. So, and Andy you know. Ka- oh, that's a good name. Wow. Good, good pull there. Big wow. cat. Nice. Speaking of like guys it. with no mind for the game. Pull that uh, out of nowhere. And, and, and <laughs> see, we've kind of got all the Andy Katzenmoyer tidbits. We said we used the word meat wad in this, in this show. <laughs> you know, guys, he, he, no had, he had the nice, uh, nice role too, right? Yeah. Going on, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Here we go. Jordan Schreiber says, Did Ryan Barnes lay guys out all the time in high school too? Man, he hits hard. I can only imagine what he'll do to non teammates. <laughs> yeah he wasn't like that no he was a good tackler in high school but he wasn't laying the wood and i don't think that's his game i just think he had some opportunities that kind of came up where he had some clear shots come hit people he's always been a tough kid but he's not gonna he's not gonna go out there every saturday and lay like four or five like lay you out type of hits right it's just, it's just kind of the, the 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 game kind of brought it to that point uh, that at least that's my at least that's my take on it he's not this like the second coming of sean taylor right, right. like i don't i don't see that and I and yeah, I don't I don't see that. And that's just my two cents. Ryan, this this guy is becoming your Dante Moore for me. All right. Where uh Shamrock Sean, thank you for the question, Sean. Where do we stand with Samson Oklahoma? And what is the dream finish for the 2023 offensive lineman class? I think th- that second part is is I'm really interested to see your answer to that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the first one for Samson, it I put an update on the board a couple days ago. It's basically been a back and forth, right? I constantly hit him up. Hey, man, when are you visiting? How's everything going? Type of conversation. He told me this last time that he is, because I flat out said, because he had not set up a visit again <laughs> for like the last four times I'm talking to him. And he said that, oh, yeah, I'm interested in Notre Dame. That We talk every so often. I'm just like, okay, well, you, you, he doesn't have interest. I mean, let's let's call it what it is, right? Like we can read between the lines. Maybe he'll get there for an official, but like, he hasn't, and he already made a mid a Midwest trip, went out to Michigan, Michigan State, and he decided not to include Notre Dame in those tra- travels. So, it, I, I would, if you have high hopes for Samson Oklahoma, I would start. I would say just temper your expectations on that one uh, a good bit, not even a little bit, a good bit. So, dream finish for twenty twenty three offensive line class. They already have Sam Pendleton committed, who just committed from North Carolina. I would say for me, five man class. 
I want Pendleton, Freeling, Jagasaw, by the way. Forgot <laughs> to bring that up. Oh, you had to do it, didn't you, Ryan? Jagasaw. Well, I had to talk about him, this. I mean, I had to. <laughs> Charles Jagasaw, who we were oh. misinformed that it was. Yes, we were yeah, people wrong. like, oh, I think it's wrong because so-and-so somewhere else said it's something else. So we're like doing it. Oh, I think it's Jagusa. And I'm like, all right, cool. We'll go Jagusa. It's freaking Jagasaw. The kid said it in the video. Who was it? Was it Nick Baker? My guy, no. Nick Baker, he's the one that sent me because I tweeted. Oh, it yeah, he, he, ta- oh, he tagged me in it. He tagged me. I, sometimes when I listen to Tom's things, I just, that's the Godfather, man. And he put something out about one of Notre Dame players. I'm retweeting it, you know, because then it's not. So, yeah, my guy, Nick Baker, put it on there. And he's like, he DM, he, he sent me a DM and he was like, uh, he, he sent me and he, he goes, uh, maybe you were right with the pronunciation. So it's, and he says his name. He's like, uh, my name's Charles Jagasaw. And I was fired up, dude. I was so ready to jump. On. I'm like, we're doing a, we're doing a special show right now. More <laughs> on all you people told you have, me not to pronounce the name right. You have no idea how much I've been just walked around the house and I've said Jagusa because it just does not roll off the tongue, again. man. Yes. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Jagasaw no. rolls off the tongue. Jagasaw runs off the tongue. So yes. whoever was saying that, I think Tommy Guns might have been one of them. Tommy, next time I see you, we're gonna have some. We're gonna there's gonna be a misunderstanding. <laughs> gonna be some furniture moving in this thing. All right, so it is uh-huh. Charles Jagusa. So anyway, back to your dream class. I apologize. We need to restart your dream class over again because we're going to yeah. fire it up. Charles Jagusa. Sam, Pen- Sam Pendleton. I don't want to say, why are you saying Jagusa still? Um, Sam, Sam Pendleton is committed already. Ideally, Monroe Freeling, true left tackle. Charles Jagasa, who is a right tackle, and I think he could also play off inside an offensive guard. Sullivan Absher, who also could play tackle, but I also think that he could also be a really good guard inside. And my last guy, Brian, this is going to be a surprise for you, I think. I think it's going to be a little one. Elijah Page. I like Elijah yeah. Page, man. So, I take Elijah Page. I would. So you went with five, right? I went with five, yep. Jagusa. Jagasaw, son of a biscuit. Absher, <laughs> 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 Pendleton, and Page. That's your five? That's it. Yeah. If I'm going to say dream finish, like dream finish, I have to go with Okanlola because he's the best tackle in the class, right? If we're going to talk realistic dream finish, I, I, we're on the same page. I, I like Elijah Page a lot. He's probably got the lowest floor of the guys we talked about, but he's got a really high ceiling. I like him a lot. And I think he's probably – him and Monroe Freeling, to me, are the most pure offensive tackles. Like – you and I, you and I have a little bit of a dif- disagreement on Charles uh, Jagasaw in that I got to think about it now. Like uh, Jagasaw in that we both think he can play tackle, but you like him better at guard. I kind of like him better at right tackle. So you know, you'd have four guys that could get that are this. That's a Harry Heastan class: one interior player, four tackles, with at least two of them that can play inside. Like that would be a perfect. Harry he stand class so yes Ryan if we're talking a realistic the ideal realistic finish as of right now I think you're spot on and I don't know if there's going to be a better line class in the country than that right yeah there. so someone commented on Elijah Page in the chat earlier I, I forgot to start but I really like that kid man he's he's a really nice athlete and he's technically pretty sound I know he has to get stronger there's no doubt but you could convince me that he's a left tackle down the road. Like I think that he's that type of athletic profile. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for loading up on those offensive tackle types and then figuring it out. Like, cause again, I think Jagasaw, Pendleton and uh, Sullivan Absher, they could all end up inside potentially. Like it could happen. 
But I think mm-hmm. Elijah Pace is, is a true tackle. Like that kid's feet and that kid's technique is very good for, for his age. So I like him a ton. Let's here. Here's a good one up here. These are always fun. I love questions like this. Daniel Zolaki with a super chat. Thank you for that, Daniel. If you were an elite recruit other than Notre Dame, which schools would you take an official? So let's say Notre Dame's getting one, right? We would all take to Notre Dame. So who are your four other four official visits? I would go to Florida, Florida Gators. I would go, I would go to USC just to see what it's like. Dude, go to UCLA. Okay, fine. UCLA, LA. I've never been to LA. I just want to go to LA. You don't want to look. You don't want to be involved in the gang shootings. You don't want to go to USC. You That's want to fair. go to the nice part. See, I don't know anything UCLA. about LA. So there That's you go. Cool. So you're, you're helping me out. That's you're helping me out. Advisor. I'm your agent. You help me out. Uh, okay. I would go to Oregon just to see what all the fuss is okay. about with the facilities. Uh, I think that would be fun. And then I'd want to go to an East Coast school. Um, I, I honestly, I might just go to Boston College. I, I love Boston. I and I would I think I might just I know I know that's weird I get it but I, I would want to go to an East Coast school I just hit like all over the country so okay. that, that would be my five Ryan what say you five other than Notre Dame or Notre Dame is included Notre Dame's one yeah. what are your Got other it. four I would like to go to University of Texas check out Austin that sounds like a good time I would like to go to I would probably go to the University of Florida check out Gainesville a really cool place yeah i got it off the wall one okay. i'm a number three i would like to check out coastal carolina really myrtle myrtle beach yeah want to go down there i heard it's yeah. incredible nightlife too so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go check that out okay. and then number four i might go at oregon kind of like with vince said i want to see the facilities and everything and, and i heard and Oregon's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country i mean yeah. like like a lot of if you're someone who enjoys like mountains and hiking and forest, really cool stuff like that, then an Oregon's a place for you. Yeah, if, if I if I had to shuffle out coast of Carolina, then I would go to like North Carolina or something because I really yeah. do like um like that that area of North Carolina as well. So somewhere in the Carolinas would be the the final one. Yeah, pretty much all mine have gotten hit so far. Uh, UCLA would be mine. I've heard UCLA is a gorgeous camp, and actually, it's the only campus I haven't been to of the ones I would take an official. See, I've taken unofficial visits to a lot of these. I would now want to take officials, uh, unofficial meaning my job. Not I didn't take unofficial when I was being recruited. I didn't take unofficial visits there. Uh, NC State's the only one I did like that. Texas would be one because Austin's awesome. Uh, as far as at least food and having fun and all that. Florida, because Gainesville, I love Gainesville. It's a really cool place to to hang out. Not somewhere I'd want to necessarily live, but a cool place to visit. And then North Carolina, because Chapel Hill has one of the most beautiful campuses in the country. And the Carolinas, you know, good weather and all that kind of stuff. So that would probably be my four. I'm not going to lie. I've always kind of wanted to be to and this is sort of like a, I'd want to try it out. I've always wanted to go to Norman for to just to see what Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma is like, see, you know, kind of, you know, tradition and all that. But I'm not sure if they would necessarily get it, on it, my list. They popped in my head. They popped in my head. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a, I mean, your Oregon was an option maybe, but I mean, I've been out there and there's no way in heck I would ever live in Oregon. So it's like, why waste my time? I could see myself living in, in LA. I would probably not. I mean, I'm yeah. pretty anti-California when it comes to living uh, Florida game, you know, obviously somewhere in I thought about Miami, but I, I, I've heard their campus isn't great and they don't even have their own stadium. So I, I wouldn't go there. And then Tallahassee's, you know, Hard pass. So I'd, I'd go to Gainesville. 
that'd be the one I'd go to. And then North Carolina. So that's what I, I, I guess I love questions like that. I think those are so fun. You, you want to go to Michigan? Man. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. <laughs> Hard pass. All right. Irish for life. A question, Ryan, this is for you. What do you think about the quarterback Pittsburgh drafted from Pittsburgh? You should, so he was um, not on our earlier show. Yeah. So, Irish for life. If you want a little more of a – a long, longer answer on this one. You can go back to our previous video on the channel. We did like a little NFL draft recap from day one. I'll say this. I think it's a massive reach. I'll be very honest. I, I had a third round grade on him. And I mean, I, I think that there is a really solid floor to being a really good backup and being like one of those guys that maybe develops into a solid starter. Think of your Matt Castles of the world. Like that's kind of like people that like pop in my mind. Somebody said that they have upsides of like Derek Carr. I don't quite see that. I see more like Teddy Bridgewater, which is like fine, you know, but like Teddy Bridgewater is never a guy that you're just consistently like, yes, that's my starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Like that's how I just kind of think of, of, of Kenny. Cause it's just solid arm, good athletes, not great athletes. Everything's just solid. Nothing's great for me. So I think that he's a replaceable starter at best at the next level, which on day on day two, I'm good with, but for the 20th overall selection, no, not that I'm not there with him. You know, we, we, we somewhat disagree on the level of what, how we view Kenny Pickett. I like him a little bit more than you, but we're on the same page as far as what his projection is. He's not a first round draft pick at quarterback. Now, if you could have got him in round two, I'm like, you know what? You'd take a chance, right? You take a chance on him and, you know, maybe, maybe it, he was a late bloomer, right? And he's ready to go be that guy that, that, that happens, but I'm not taking that chance at 20. I get why Pittsburgh did it. I don't even, I don't even necessarily hammer him for it. I didn't love it. You know, I think he's a good player. He was a good college player that played against really crappy teams. Um, and and I just, you know, it took him a while to go. He's an older kid. I just, I don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, well, that's the other layer is he's 24. And I I, I actually know that his, his personal trainer, he actually has had a huge growth spurt. I, I, the, the guy told me that he was only like 5'11 his junior year in high school or something like that. And he sprouted up to like 6'1 as a senior. And he's grown like two more inches since he's been in college. So it's always, it's always possibility develops a little further but i mean he's 24 years old so at some point that's not going to be a tangible thing anymore so yep here we go got one from peter pumpkin eater uh brian he goes i know you are built bar sommelier any recommendation on what flavor i should buy first of all um use the promo code below because uh you can get 10% off your whole order i'll tell you the ones i like as far as the puffs i like the banana cream pie that's a good one Cherry Barcia is definitely in my top five. Coconut almond's pretty good if you like that kind of thing. Uh, some of the ones that I like that they don't have, uh, salted caramel. My mom really likes the salted caramel. I haven't had it yet. Uh, I have recently bought caramel brownie, which they only have sometimes. If they have Rocky Road, um, if they have cookie dough, or if they had caramel brownie, they only sell them at times until limited su- supplies last. Scoop those up when you get a chance. But as far as what they have right now, uh, the banana cream puff cream, uh, which is a banana cream pie puff is really good. I would go cherry barcia. I would go coconut almond. I don't like raspberries. So I didn't like the raspberry a whole lot, but uh, my, my wife liked it because she likes raspberry. That's pretty good. And then the salted caramel, those would be the ones that I would recommend. All right. Christian Porter hypothetical of Joe Walton, Blake Fisher were able to go into the draft this year. Do you think they would be drafted and where? 
Do I think they would be drafted? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Where I, that's a very difficult yeah. question to say. Like he's just, yeah, they're not, they're not draft eligible, so they're not developed to that level, right? They like, don't have a film. They don't right. have film. Well, they don't have film as well. They don't have. Right. right. I think Joe would go ahead of Blake just because there's more film. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree right. with that. I would I mean, agree with that. Now I will say this: you know, Blake had to go against Jermaine Johnson for half. Thought he held his own well in that first half. And he did pretty well against Texas Tech, Texas or Oklahoma State's pass rush, you know, but he's got a game and a half of film. Mm-hmm. So they would, to me, be day three guys right now. I actually think that's not an insult. That's actually, I think, something that's impressive. There aren't yeah. a lot of freshman offensive linemen that you could say if they were going to the draft right now would get drafted. Sure. But they would be they would be huge projects. Because in the NFL, that's the one position, in my opinion, I'd say quarterback might be another one. Uh, where you know Kenny Pickett being older doesn't hurt him from a draft projection standpoint because the NFL teams are fine. Ours is I just don't know how much better he's going to get because he's older is where we're is where we're coming from. But the age is that's fine. Offensive line is another one because the, that's a position where you kind of have a little bit longer lifespan. Like receivers, like once you hit thirty, you lose a step and you're just you know some of the, a lot of those guys just can't play anymore. You know running backs that way. Corners kind of that way for a lot of guys. I mean, Richard Sherman went from great, 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 and bam, you know, just like it, it, Daryl Revis is another one that I thought just like his his game just kind of just took a big jump because it's such a it's such a position that requires a, a level of top level athleticism. I think that's why you see D linemen play longer in their careers. You 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 don't see Andrew Whitworth's at corner, right? I mean, because it's not as determined by athleticism. So when you lose a step, you can make up for it in technique and savviness and all that. So I I, I don't and, and so the opposite is true is the lack of experience is something that would be a big negative, which is why you'd see those guys fall. So here it's a it's a good it's a good question because I, I never would have thought of that, Christian. So I, I, I like the question. Jordan Schreiber says, so do you think Notre Dame is going to continue the momentum and have an even better recruiting class in twenty twenty four? Yes, to both. I mean, why why would it stop? Right, like this is. I think of it as this is a first step for Marcus Freeman as a head coach. Um, and I don't see any reason why that momentum would get stalled. Right. I mean, obviously if he doesn't have on field success, but like, if we're assuming that things are going pretty well, I, I don't think that it's just going to stop. Like this is just the starting point. So I don't see any reason why the momentum would get stalled yeah. in that way. So I'm going to, I'm going to, so to me, I think they can continue the momentum doesn't equal the class is even better than this year's class. I don't think that means like if you're number one this year and you're number three next year, that doesn't mean up oh, they've lost all the momentum, right? Like it, it's about landing elite classes. And the reason I would, I would tend to lean towards I'm not yes on the first answer. Will they continue the momentum? Yes. Will it be even better in 24? I'm going to probably lean towards no simply because the 23 class, and we've talked about this, it is a unique year in that there's so many elite, northern players you know there are rod i don't know if there's a rodney gallagher in the north next year i don't know if there's going to be three four-star kids from massachusetts next year that notre dame can have a chance to get right like i don't know if there's going to be another five-star caliber lineman in illinois right or or a top 50 linebacker from an hour and a half from notre dame's campus right i don't know if there's well there is another good quarterback from detroit or the michigan area next year but you get what I'm saying? So, like, I just don't know if I can say it's going to be better next year, but it, it's 
the momentum can it, the momentum can continue even if next year's class isn't quite as good as twenty as the twenty three class is kind of where I'm coming from on that. But it also wouldn't surprise me if next year's better because if they go out and have the success on the field this year, Ryan, then you don't necessarily need to rely on the heavy northern influence like you are now if the product is legit. You know, so I mean, if Marcus Freeman takes his team to the playoff, you know, which obviously would be a great scenario, then good luck beat Notre Dame on the recruiting trail next year. I mean, that's that's the only thing all these teams are hoping for is, man, I hope Notre Dame. Like, you, you're you seeing Michigan fans rooting for Ohio State to beat Notre Dame. I have seen it with my own eyes. I've seen multiple Michigan fans say, man, I hope Ohio State kills Notre Dame next year. That's how afraid the Michigan fans are of Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. They're hoping that their arch nemesis wins against Notre Dame. Like, that's – it doesn't happen very often, Ryan, <laughs> to see that. Does not. Coach Koch, Koch, does Isaiah Pryor get a shot somewhere, perhaps the USFL? Could that happen for Asmar and Dante Fawn as well? Do you see a future with Notre Dame players and the other pro leagues? Right now is as good as it's ever been as far as opportunities to play football outside of the NFL. You have the USFL, which you mentioned. The XFL is also coming back. And, of course, there's the CFL. And there's also other leagues overseas. Like there's the ELF, which is a European football league as well. So there's a lot of opportunities. Isaiah Pryor is a 220-pound player who tested pretty well and has a pedigree as a recruit. And he's played at two very good programs and played decent football add two programs. So yes, I think he'll get a shot. He'll get a shot. USFL makes a ton of sense. XFL, if not, maybe he's a CFL guy. I'm not sure exactly. The thing about CFL is you have to be, I mean, guys have to be pretty dedicated to go and play up, up in Canada, right? Like that's not for everybody. It's really not. So I think Pryor definitely is talented enough to find an alternative league. Dante and Asmar obviously are as well. You know, I think that both of them are probably holding out for NFL, which I don't blame them. Like that's the, sure. That's the main spot that you want to get to, but there's there's leagues all over the place now, and they are definitely good enough players to play professional football in some capacity. Agree. Notre Dame 2164. I don't want to get soppy here, but I wanted to thank you guys for all the work you do. You are most welcome. Not just Notre Dame football, but also for creating this family that people can depend on. You guys help me get through my day. Uh, man, I, I'll be honest with you. That means more to me than you if you were to say, hey, you guys are great at breaking down film. You guys are the best analysts. No more. I mean, that right there ultimately is at the heart of and, and Ryan can attest to see something I talked to him about when we're going through the hiring process. That right there was the one thing that I wanted Irish Breakdown to be about. Yes, we're going to give you great analysis. And I hired Ryan to do a job to cover recruiting and to provide analysis and all those type of things. But there was always the thought of you're part of a family now. Ryan will tell you that. I mean, you're you're part of a community now. It's not just a job. It's a it's something you got to be a part of, which is you don't have to be a Notre Dame fan to do this job, but I think it helps because of that, because of that sense of community. So, uh, man, I tell you, I, I I thank you a lot that you say that because that's the stuff that makes the long days worth it. That's the stuff that makes, you know, whether for Ryan, it's it's not being able to spend as much time with his wife and daughter. And for me and my wife and the things that we want to do because of because of that, because we know that's what we're building. And I really appreciate you sharing that very much. Jordan also asked, combine the receivers of 21, 22, and 23, the realistic targets in 23. What order do you rank all the receivers coming out of high school? I know the juniors get gypped, but act like they play their senior season. So 21, we'd go Styles, right? Let's go Colsey mm-hmm. and, and then uh, Jaden Thomas. And then 22, Merriweather. So for 23, we're not going to do Cardinal. So let's go Braylon James, 
Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about that ideal receiver class we did earlier, Ryan. Let's yep. go James. Let's go Gallagher. Great let's go house. Great House. And let's go Hannafan. Sure. Okay. And then how do we – that's one heck of a freaking receiving core. <laughs> just wrote all those names down and I'm like, holy moly. I don't know where they're going to be. Um, my number one is easy. It's it's Tobias Merriweather. That's still my number one. Um, I I think Tobias he's he's the highest great ranked receiver I've had in a, a while. I mean, he was a top fifty guy for me. I'm very very high on him. Who would be your number one, Ryan? I'd probably say Merriweather as well. It's it's close. I I him in. Um, I'm a big Rodney Gallagher man, fan. Man, I would probably defer though. And Rodney would probably be my number two. Okay, that's an interesting one. So what I'm doing is I'm actually my the way I'm going to try to do this, Jordan, is I'm going to go from where I had all these guys as juniors. That's the only way I think I can do it fairly. So I, I can't do it act like they played their senior year because I I don't I can't assume I can't assume what I don't know. What I do know, however, is I saw all these guys as juniors. So that's where I'm going to go with it. And I think as like so like Lorenzo Styles, I liked as a junior. He got a lot better as a senior. Well, if Rodney Gallagher makes that same kind of jump, right? I mean, so that's that's the thing for me. So going off of them as juniors, it, boy, I tell you, I, I probably go Braylon James as my number two. And, and I, get, I think some of this, Ryan, comes down to preference. There's a style of receiver I like, and I've said this, my bias at receiver, and you're going to see it in my list, I like tall, fast guys that can win contested catches. Uh, just, as a quarterback, if you get any type of receiver, that's the one I want. And that's my bias. And I'm not going to lie about that. And you said Gallagher's your number two? Yep, Gallagher would be number two. I See, would, I, I, yeah, never watched, I, I never watched Lorenzo Styles as a junior. I only remember his senior highlights. Yeah. So he would be my number three, okay. just based upon that. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm going Gallagher as my three. Okay. That's going to be my three. Um, but that's... The 2021, both of the 2021 receivers to me made big jumps as like as seniors, like mm-hmm. especially Lorenzo. Like I didn't have him as a top hundred player coming out as a junior. So right now I have other guys ahead of them. Uh, oh boy, this is a tough one. I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I have to really look at the grades <laughs> and stuff because I'm like, man, but what about Hannafin? And I mean, Jaden Thomas would be at the bottom of my list, which says something because he had a four star grade for me coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. My number four, Ryan, I'd probably go with you're gonna you're I'd probably go with Deion Colsey just because of the upside. I mean, the upside was always there. I mean, you could see it. He was he was underdeveloped and all that, but the upside was was enormous for him. Okay. And I'm an upside guy. My next guy would be my boy, Jaden Greathouse. Yeah. He's he's next for me. He's my five. Just because well, he's so works. advanced. That works because Colsey would be my next yeah. on the list. So. Yeah, Styles is my next one, but again, that's that's junior. As a junior, I had Deion Colsey ranked ahead of Styles. As seniors, it flipped. So again, I'm going off of off of. So keep that in mind. I'm going off of where Lorenzo was as a junior. I thought he made a big jump as a senior, and he was a much better prospect. I can't believe I got Ronan Hannifin at number seven. I can't. I mean, that's like like that's insane. Like. And then Jaden Thomas eight. That's that's my group. That's a one heck of a receiving group. I mean, that and this should be a lot of it's because two of my top three are from this class, in Braylon James and 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 Rodney Gallagher. Where that's did you crazy. have Braylon? Where did you have you? You had him real low, didn't you? I I had him right below Dion. Okay. So Dion, okay. Ronan, and then 
Jaden. Okay. I like Braylon. I just, you know, all tools are right now. Yep. Some projection. Yep. So. Yep. Interesting. Good question, Jordan. Very good question. Hulk strongest always likes to, he's always, you know, guys always like to get me with this. Like once a month, somebody has to hurt my heart like this. Could you imagine if Notre Dame, came, if Randy Moss came to Notre Dame? Yeah, I can't imagine it because I did it for several months. I imagined it a lot for several months. I'm thinking like Ron Paulus, two Heismans, and he gets to throw to Randy Moss and Derek Mays, and this is going to be wonderful. And James Jackson's the running back, and it didn't work out. Did you know that, that James Jackson also signed with that class as a running back, the kid I, that went to I Miami? Think, I, I think you told me that before, yeah. 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 Would have been pretty good, right? Oh, Decent. And thank you for the super chat, uh, Hulk Strongest. We appreciate that very, very much. Ian Johnson, with how many first-rounders were in Georgia's 2021 defense, who wins? He stands primo line or Georgia's 2021 D-line? 17 unless you think a better. I think 15 was better than 17. Yeah. I mean, let's I go with 15 I, then. Let's go yeah. 15, first 21. Um, yeah, that's tough. That's I, honest, think, I think it needs more tough. context. Yeah. Because I think like what hurt the Notre Dame offensive line in 2017 against a really good Georgia line that year was Georgia just loaded the box and they dared Notre Dame to beat them throwing the football. And that's why another reason I kind of like 15, because if you try to do that against Notre Dame in 2015, unless you're doing it in a rainy situation like Clemson, mm-hmm. you're going to get shredded because they could, they had so many athletes. Right. So, well, I tell you, I'd like, I'd like, I mean, if everything was equal from a coaching and a strength condition. So if I could take the 2015 line with current offensive coaching staff and Matt Bayless, in the 2015 roster, I should say, with the current staff, I, I'd like to see that battle. I'd like yeah. to see that battle. I would. Man, it's tough, man. That's because really you Trayvon. Those guys are all great players, but Notre Dame had two top ten picks at tackle. Yeah, and I would argue 15 is still Mike McGlinchey's best year. I mean, he was phenomenal in 15, playing right tackle. You had a top ten pick, and Ronnie Stanley was an All American that year. Mm-hmm. Nelson was a monster and he was physically big enough to hold up against those big guys inside of Georgia. That's a key. Jordan That's Davis. a really important thing. And yeah. then you had Steve Elmer at right guard, who was a bigger kid. And then Nick Martin was a really good player at center, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, four out of five are really good. I know Elmer was a, was a good player before he stepped obviously away from football, but that's just like kind of where I'm like getting hung up for a yeah. second. Cause it's like, he's going to be one-on-one with a Jalen Carter or a Devontae Wyatt in this scenario. Cause we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of talking more on like this is like a one-on-one battle, right? right? Like you're going to kind of find your spots. That's obviously where they would have a clear advantage is like if they got Jalen Carter, for instance, against mm-hmm. him, it's like that kid's a freak, you know? So Well, here would be an interesting way of putting it. So like <clears throat> if they were going to practice and it was just a one-on-one rep, I yep. think Notre Dame wins at left tackle. I think Notre Dame wins at left guard. Mm-hmm. I'd call draw right tackle, and I think – Georgia wins at center and, in the center and right guard matchup. Nick yeah. Martin was a good player, but in a one-on-one matchup against Davis, Jordan, Jordan yeah. Davis him. I mean, it, yeah, right. I just you know, so taking your angle to it, Ryan, like let's take mm-hmm. it away from a game situation and just line them up against each other. Yeah, I actually think that that's where maybe the 2017 line in that scenario might be the better option because I think Alex Barr's healthy would have a better shot at matching up against those guys than than Steve Elmer would. I agree with you. That's that's my take on that but i but I, I still take the 15 line i think that was i was think that was Notre Dame's best line i i do i do good really good really good questions today everybody i'm loving it so far jordan schreiber 
Uh, I'm blown away by how many top 100 recruits are committed already and how many the Irish are in the game for. What is the total top 10, total top 100 composite Notre Dame ends up with this year? I mean, we're doing it in an ideal world, right? Or are we doing it in a realistic world? Well, I think just realistically, like guys, we think they have a shot to get. Because I actually did the math on this the other day for not the math, but I I went and looked through this the other day on uh, because somebody was talking about, oh, they're not going to finish in the top five because all these other teams are going to finish with whatever. And and again, it's BKPTSD. That's my new phrase. I'm going to get a shirt. I'm not going to really do that, but I'm going to get, I feel like getting a shirt made. It just says hashtag BKPTSD. That's funny. There's so many Notre Dame fans with BK PTSD. They're just like, because they're waiting on the, and I have it sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, I'm waiting on something bad to happen because that's just what always happened. Um, so, so that, we go. Yeah. Dante Moore, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nobody at running back. Braylon James already committed. Rodney Gallagher. Jaden Greathouse count. Yes. I top believe 100. he's just outside the top 100. Okay. So we'll take him off then. So we're up to three. Offensive the line. Nice. I told you I did this. Offensive line, Monroe Freeling. Yep. He's Charles Jagasa. He's at 71. So another offensive lineman. Asher's no, not top, honor, top right? 100. He's, no. Yeah. No. yeah. Okay. Because one of those services has him like not in the top 100, like two, 300, which is absurd. Yeah. Here, here's the nine that I okay. think, Brian. Yeah, nine. Okay. The co- There's five commits Keon Keeley, Drake Bowen, Peyton Bowen, Braylon James, Brennan Vernon. The lowest is 85. So let's assume they stay in the top 100, which they should. Then you have uh, Jason Moore, Dante Moore at six. This is off the composite list. Jason Moore at 50. Charles Jagasaw at 71. Monroe Freeling at, at 80. That's nine. Rodney Gallagher's 104. And Jaden Greathouse is 110. Both of those guys have a shot to jump into the top 100, in my opinion. So, I mean, you could see if just one of those two guys does that, then that's where you are. That does not include Jaden Osbury. That does not include Samuel and Pemba. That does not include Caleb Downs. Three top 100 guys that Notre Dame has. Oh, and, and uh, Christian Gray is just outside the top 100 as well. So even if they don't pull off a single upset, and I think you would argue with me putting Jay Nosbury in the upset category. I think you would, correct? You think they have a better – it wouldn't be an upset in your opinion if they got Jay Nosbury. Would you, would you agree uh, with that? I think they're in a better situation than people think right. they are, yeah. So – if they got those nine, because I think all those nine I listed, J- Dante Moore, Jason Moore, M- Charles Jagas- Jagasaw, and Monroe Freeling, none of – we wouldn't be sh- – I think – I would argue Notre Dame leads for all four of those guys. Would you agree with that? So that's nine right there. That's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a I mean, lot. So, that's not even counting like the other guys are like kind of like – I mean, they're all top 250 kids. Right. Like It's like crazy. Right. You know? I think last year's Georgia class had 11 – and last mm-hmm. year's uh, Ohio State class had seven. Okay. I mean, so in Notre Dame's at nine. They would only need like one of those guys to jump in, like Gallagher mm-hmm. jumps in and they land Jaden Osbury or or Samuel and Pemba. They land mm-hmm. one of those two and they're right there where Georgia was last year. Well, if, if Notre Dame's able to land Gallagher or Great House, they need to assume that status before they before they uh, commit to Notre Dame. They need to jump way into the top hundred because they yeah. will fall. <laughs> so, and that's the but that's the other rub though, right? Ryan is like yep. a lot of the kids that Bama and Georgia got were top hundred guys. They got a decent chunk of them later in the process as those guys moved up the rankings because it's a better storyline and you get more clicks when a kid is uncommitted than when a kid commits super early. Just the reality of it. <laughs>
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.